And we're live, and welcome back to another edition of Our Reviews Will Kill You. I am the man they call Z, and as always, I am joined by Tommy B. Welcome, noob noob. Thank you, thank you. I love you. Yes, and we're also joining us today is the uh, actor, writer, director, producer, and um, all around good guy. All around good guy. Instead of Total Tool, is uh, Scott Keebler. He, you may know him from such movies as uh, Sasquatch Returns, The Sasquatch, The New Beginnings, Sasquatch. <laughs> no, none of those movies are real. Indians uh, take but, back America. <laughs> but Scott is an, is a for real actor and a for real director, and as always, he joins us to give us the insider perspective. And today. We're going to discuss the Netflix series, The Defenders. This is the story of Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, and Luke Cage intertwined together. Their plots have finally joined into one as a reluctant group looking to defend New York City from some pretty average foes. So... Why don't you give us a little bit uh, more You actually here. just gave a better description of this movie than IMDb did. Because all IMDb says is those four characters, quote, team up to fight crime in New York City. <laughs> just a general description of <laughs> it's crime. about the description that IMDb gives. So, yes, you actually did a much better uh, synopsis there than most websites are at this point. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit of the details of the show there, Nuke Nuke? Yeah, so, uh, like, like you said, Z, you have Daredevil, you have Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Danny Rand, uh, the Iron Fist, um, respectively played by Charlie Cox as Daredevil, Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones, uh, Mike Coulter as Luke Cage, and Finn Jones, from uh, who plays Danny Rand. Um, Finn Jones is probably most notable out of, out of all of them, and Kristen Ritter, who is the son, son, not, well, I don't know, depends if you pull her hair back or put away. Anyway, um, so she's the daughter of John Ritter, who actually, coincidentally, our last podcast um, from It, the original 1990 version, John Ritter, that is his daughter, Kristen Ritter. Um, is so that real? Is that for real? That is, that is for she real. really is John Ritter's daughter? Yeah. I um, did not believe that. Either I'm making that shit up, I'll fact check later, but I'm 90, 80, 50% sure <laughs> that um, they have the same last name, so there's probably some connection one way or the other. I'm pretty sure she is in no way, shape, or form related to John Ritter, um, but we'll see when you fact check yeah, her. Noob Noob is right 60% of the time. He's 40% right every of time. time. <laughs> He's right every time, 40% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then they have Finn Jones, who's also uh, a lot of Game of Thrones fans out there. He plays somebody on there. I oh, who he plays exactly. the super sexual and Scott's next boyfriend. Uh, is it Loris Tyrell? It's Loris Tyrell. Lawrence Tyrell, yes. Lawrence Tyrell. Not Lawrence. Loras. Not Joey Lawrence. Loras. Loras. Loras Tyrell. Oh my God, my he's a boy. He's a uh, Renly's oh boyfriend. If uh, for those of you, uh, spoiler alert: season one of Game of Thrones. Uh, I'm pretty, sure, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we all know who Renly and, and the the unrequited, well, not unrequited, but super sexy love, Loras and Renly. It's uh, keep going there, noob noob. Yeah, so um, that is the four main characters of the show, uh, all reprising their roles from their individual Netflix series. Um, the Defenders has the series creators um, as Douglas Petrie and Marcos Rem- or Marco Ramirez. 
Um, so like you guys said before, it kind of follows these, these group of individuals kind of teaming up, uh, sort of a Netflix Avengers um, have you uh, kind of team up and save New York together. So it, it gets interesting, a little bit of a slow start. Um, but it definitely has some good points to be made and definitely has some strengths in the oh, overall who, show. Who are the, uh, th- there's uh, three important girls to the show, too. Uh, Colleen Wing, is, is that, that's the, the character's name, not the actress. And uh, there's, okay, so Elodie Young is playing oh, Electra. That's Electra. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, Jessica Henwick is Colleen Wing. Colleen Wing. And then, of course, Rosaria Dawson's playing Claire. Um, and Oof, she's, ah. she's also a return character from multiple seasons. I she's been in many. She's been in all of them, hasn't she? Like all four of the uh, individual series she's made appearances in. I'm pretty sure she's the tie that binds all of them. And I'm trying to think. You're also forgetting Sigourney Weaver, who is essentially the butch version of Susan Sarandon. So <laughs> that's always a good thing. She was in Aliens, um, so that's a Sigourney that's a Weaver, like, just... Don't rip again. You you love to rip these these older actors. Sigourney Weaver is like the archetype of what a badass woman should look like and should do. I mean, in Alien and Aliens, she just kicks ass and takes names, and she's a fantastic actress. And I will not have you besperching her name. Sigourney Weaver also is playing an American female that was in a, a kung fu monastery in the Himalayan Alps. <laughs> Um, whitewashing. You want to talk about whitewashing to the max? All right, fine. Even if you want to say it's whitewashing, what is a white girl doing in the Himalayan Alps in the first place? Um, That's a good question, especially <laughs> considering one of her like uh, peers is Madame Gao, who's like yes. a ninety-year-old white woman, actually, or I mean, Asian woman. Who's so? <laughs> so these people are all friends and peers, right? Yeah. Well, it's the hand. So there's the five characters, of course. So Sigourney Weaver, white, Madame Gao, Asian, the one dude, Asian, Bakudo, I don't know, Bakudo, another guy, Asian, and then a black guy. Which oh yeah, the random comes up black the guy. same question: Why is this like African warlord? Training kung fu in the Alps. <laughs> not the Alps, not the Alps, or, the Himalayas. Yeah, Himalayans, whatever. Let's, it let's is. get our distorted uh, Western American uh, whitewashing correct. I'm not good at geology. <laughs> so, uh, I think before we get to any spoilers, you know, as the culmination of what Netflix and Marvel is trying to do, I, I enjoyed it. I don't want my time back. Uh, I enjoyed watching it. I liked every episode. Yeah, the pacing was a little weird. Yeah, the pacing wasn't fantastic. But at the end of the day, I enjoyed it. I don't want my time back. I'm not... I'm going to say Marvel needs to do better, and especially from the TV side. You know, they put out some pretty damn good stuff. But... I mean, come on, guys. you, you got to do a little bit better than this. Uh, I thought the promotion for it was cool, but a little weak. I don't know. What did you think, Nunu? Yeah, I mean, essentially, the individual series, I think, are a little stronger on their own. This is, again, their first shot at a team-up, especially on the Netflix format. Um, and, it's no Avengers. Yeah, it, it, it's going to have some growing pain, so it's definitely going to get there eventually. I think season two, if there is a season two, I, I'm not quite sure if that's being greenlit yet. Um, it's definitely going to have some uh, some strong starting off points because that, that character arcs are already established as a team. So they don't really need to go through those first couple episodes really working that team together and essentially wasting you know two full episodes out of eight, um, just kind of bringing them together. So I think they can start off a lot stronger season two and, and really get to things um, and make the series better as a whole. 
Well, this 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 one I did watch. All right. First <laughs> off, <laughs> I'm proud of you. I have, I, I, I have to say, Applause. for you to say that each of their individual series was decent, you should just go to hell and die right now. They were horrible. Daredevil was the only one out of the four series that actually worked. Wait, whoa, it's whoa, great. Whoa. So no, let me finish here. All right. Uh, Jessica Jones, probably the second one, decent, but still just completely lost in storyline. I had a lot of so uh, 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 missing facts. Luke Cage just got lost in nightclubs. It just was him walking around for days and days and days, completely also lost. And thank God Iron Fist was able to team up with these other three characters, because if not, there's no way he was going to stand on his own, on his own series. That was the biggest abortion of superhero TV I've ever seen in my life, and I'm talking about from the original Swamp Thing back in 1910. All right, wow, so that is that was horrible. Damnation! Once you put all four of these together, all right, yes, they did start to come together and actually make things a little more interesting. But seriously, if you want to binge watch this whole thing, you can do it all in a weekend. Skip the first four episodes; they're a waste of time. It's hey, but here's a question for you. Hold on, before we go any further. Do we think you can watch The Defenders alone without watching any other series? Just off the cuff, what do you think? Absolutely not. Not even close. No, no. So they're too connected. You really can't. You do need to watch the other ones to know who these characters are. Now, you can just sit there and watch The Defenders series and be like, oh, cool, here's a bunch of cool characters who are beating each other up. But you're not going to know why this guy is blind and why this guy has a glowing fist and why he's not putting in Jessica Jones's butt. I, I mean, I, I think we can... You can cut out two of the four if you really want to just jump right in and, and not really pay attention to anything else of the individual series. You kind of need uh, Iron Fist and you need Daredevil. So season one and two of Daredevil as well. Uh, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage kind of are ancillary at, at, at the moment within the Defender series. They're there, and, and you know, having that series knowledge will give you some backstory, but to the overall plot arc, it's not really going to do much in terms of moving it forward. It's just kind of extra tidbits that you're going to know and, and kind of be able to you know, fill in some gaps there. True. You watch Jessica Jones, and you understand why she's such a bitch. You don't need to worry about that, and you can watch Defenders without watching her series. That's fine. You can watch Luke Cage... But you also don't have to watch him. You realize in the first few episodes of the Defenders, okay, this guy's immortal or, or invincible, whatever the case may be, and that's all you need to know about him. True, I do agree with you on that one. At least Daredevil and Iron Fist, if you can actually stand Iron Fist. And yes, I will viscerally spew Venom at that this whole time because it was that bad. But yes, those two series you did need to watch in order to really understand what was going on with Defenders. Well, the way I look at it, and you know, we're going to try to avoid spoilers. We're still in the non-spoiler state of this. I do think that I agree with both your points. You definitely only needed to see Daredevil season one and two, and then you only needed to see uh, if you did not see Iron Fist, there was no way you were going to understand what was going on because. Iron Fist, in and of itself, really sets the, the table for half the hand, and n- not only half the hand, but uh, y- you're setting the table for the, the different direction that it takes. Uh, Colleen Wing has a huge part in this. So, and I, I, I'm going to disagree. I liked Iron Fist. I think the whitewashing claims were total nonsense. Uh, the character was written as white. So long ago, 
And for you to change that just so that you could cast an Asian actor is dumb. The fact that they made Colleen Wing such an important character, I think, really is is great. They have a strong Asian female. Uh, this show passes the Bechdel pat- test like 50 times in a row. The women in this are all strong. They all have their own things. It's not just them talking about their boyfriends and blah, blah, blah. I think you got a lot of sh- really strong women. you got a lot of really strong characters. I-, I did like Iron Fist. I looked at it more as a mystery than I looked at it as like a straight, like, okay, this is how a superhero becomes a superhero. I looked at it as a mystery. And if I looked at it from that and ignored all that nonsense from Hollywood saying that they whitewashed this, I was like, okay, this is a cool series. It's a little weird. They don't answer a lot of questions. But there was a lot of things I liked about it. Now, are you saying they were saying whitewashing for Iron Fist? Oh, 100%. When so, Iron Fist came so, out... So they were saying that a rich kid from New York was a whitewashing. No, what they were saying is that um, basically that the concept of Iron Fist is an appropriation of Asian... like You have a, a rich white guy appropriating Asian aesthetics. Like, he dresses like he's Asian, he learns Kung Fu, he, like, basically is the white savior for Asians because he's, according to the comics, the greatest Kung Fu master ever is the Iron Fist, and it's a white dude. Now, that I can actually say is BS because you've got to say whitewashing. Here's a, a, and this is going back in the storyline, a young kid who crashes in the, the Mediterranean or whatever the hell he is. You mean... The Himalayas, the Himalayas, which you keep forgetting. Himalayas. We're yes. going to get a big map and a globe for you, Scott, so you learn where these things are geographically. Whatever. Well, this is the last time I'll have to worry about that. But basically... It's not. We will have to start here again. Here's, here's some white kid who crashed as a young kid. Regardless of where he was from and what nationality he was, he's going to adapt to those uh, uh, customs, and that's what he's going to be. So I didn't say whitewash on that is absolute BS. Yes, I will call whitewash a Sigourney Weaver. I love Sigourney Weaver, but yes, that was ridiculous. And even on the the, the uh, African warlord uh, character from the hand, yes, that also was extremely out of place. I think the biggest problem that the show does is not explain Kun Lun clearly enough to people so that we can, you know, not just assume that it's this Asian area, like, it's not just dominated by Asians, it's some kind of, like, heaven that's a conglomeration of races or whatever it is. People from the beginning of the time. But as one of the things that we'll probably get into when we get into spoilers, and, and I don't, again, don't want to hit on it too much quite yet, is this fact that they just don't explain enough of what's going on. And you're kind of left in the dark, not 100% understanding or knowing what's going on. It's one thing for them to hide their cards, but to not reveal anything in this really kind of struck me as a a missed opportunity, especially where you see Daredevil Season 2, they end on a cliffhanger that explains nothing. Uh, they still kind of sort of explain things, but, but not as well as they should have, you know? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that there's, there's definitely some room for improvement there, but uh, I think we should probably move into a little more spoiler territory and kind of dive a little deeper into this. Um, so, uh, you know, this is going to be this section of the show where we kind of get into the more specifics. Um, so if you don't want to, you know, kind of have that spoiled, it's been out for a little while now, so most people who are probably listening have seen it. Um, but if not, this is probably a time to kind of there you know, turn away. Spoiler yeah. alert. Spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. Yes, we are there. Okay, we're going to spoil everything from here on. 
So I know you had, you had some things that you wanted to bring up, uh, Tommy B. What, what did you want to talk about? Yeah, so I, I guess the six overarching things um, we can kind of touch upon, at least throughout this podcast, are the, the six biggest what-the-fuck questions. And I'll give a shout-out to IGN for kind of pointing that out here. Um, we can kind of dive into those a little further. Um, but, oh, I had my own, and I didn't need IGN to tell me, just as an FYI. But we'll use them as that. Nobody baseline. gives a shit what you say. Aren't anyway. you special? Yeah, I'm the special snowflake in all of this, uh, really? by the way. Wow, that's more whitewashing, so nobody cares, you racist pickle fucker. Anyway, um, so the six what the fuck... <laughs> the, the six what the fuck attributed to IGN, so I give a shout out there, um, which I, I definitely agree on and we can touch upon a little further, um, is Danny Rand, the new Daredevil, and that's going to be a spoiler kind of, your daddy. kind of thing. Yeah, no, nobody needs your undertones here, Tim. Ah, Anyway, um, Z, you sexy zebra. Um, <laughs> we'll that out later. <laughs> uh, anyway, who's a sexy little zebra with stripes? So, um, you know, is Danny Rand the new Daredevil? We're going to touch upon that. That's definitely a spoiler towards the end of the show. Um, another one, how did Daredevil survive? That's kind of a big, you know, plot armor situation that we'll kind of dive a little deeper into. Um, why did Alexandra not have a bigger role, which is Sigourney Weaver's character, um, which is definitely a big problem in the show, at least I felt. Um, what happened to Madame Gao, um, the Asian, the one Asian character, one major villain Asian character that's in the show? Um, and then we have, how did the hand resurrect the Kudo, which is one of the major continuity errors that I think the show has. Um, we're definitely going to dive deep into that one and, and kind of you know bring up some errors there. Um, and then obviously this is a Marvel show, so you know where the fuck are the Avengers? You know, some shit's going down. Um, you know, obviously the Avengers are happening within this time frame. You know, Spider-Man is in New York as well. How does he not know at least some of this shit is going on? Or, or, or are they at least going to reference this in Avengers? Are they going to reference it in the next Spider-Man? What the fuck's going on there? So we're definitely going to we're, we're hit on some of those. I need to know, so who was the villain in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Shredder? The Hand. Okay. Holy no, shit, it was the really? Foot Clan. It was oh, no, it was the Foot? It was the you Foot Clan. Oh, so you just okay. said, I, I love you right. and you're so sexy and I'm probably a little uh, hard right now just looking at your beard, but you just, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. The d- yeah <laughs> actually, I'll, I'll, I'll Can we I'll just, uh, we'll, we probably uh, we lost 10% of our comments. viewers just from your fucking comments, so thank you for that. <laughs> thank I can't you. I just, I just, I just lowered all of your IQs <laughs> just by making that comment. Just made all of us dumber Never mind, I'll shut up for the next... 30 seconds. Why don't we have a conversation there, Noob Noob? Hit me with the first one, because I I don't agree with IGN. I I definitely don't 100% agree with them. So, I guess we can kind of work in a Pulp Fiction kind of error here in in, in, hitting the first one. Is Danny Rand the new Daredevil. So, the ending of the series kind of ends a little ambiguously uh, with Daredevil having a building collapse on him, which, you know, that doesn't sound too fucking great. Um, unless it's a building of dicks, in which I love in my mouth. So, um, but anyway, so it, it kind of gives this this shot of, you know, in, in the first two seasons of Daredevil, it shows him, you know, hulking over a, a building, looking down on the city. And in the end uh, episode of uh, The Defenders, it has Danny Rand, Iron Fist, in that same sort of light. So is he, while, uh, while Daredevil is out of commission, is he taking up that mantle? 
Is he going to be the segregate or surrogate rather? I can't fucking use English because I'm a little buzz because he makes drinks too strong and I love cherries. <laughs> so, um, oh, but is he going to be a little? Is he going to be a surrogate daredevil? Is he actually going to wear the mantle of daredevil? We really don't know where this. Okay, go. so as long as that, uh, you know, all of that. Here's the easy answer: is no, because if you know any history about the comic books, which clearly none of these reviewers do. And they don't even look at what they see in front of them where there's clearly a relationship starting to develop between Luke Cage and Iron Fist, which, if you're smart and you know about the comic books from the 70s, is uh, Power Man and Iron Fist. You know that there's a potential for them to team up. But no, Daredevil clearly is alive. Danny Rand is not taking over. Danny Rand does need to become like a masked vigilante. But no, I don't think he's taking over for Daredevil. I think that's a stupid question. Next. Let alone the fact, are you colorblind? The people who wrote this, is he the new Daredevil? Is he going to wear the Daredevil mantra? No. When they showed him at the end of the series, he was wearing the yellow and green, which is his uniform. The, albeit, he's missing that yellow mask that he was also known for, and I got this just from cartoons. I didn't read the, the comic strip, but that was his uniform. Yellow, green, Yellow mask, very similar to Daredevil's, but no, it was bright yellow. Actually, that's an, a really strong point that you just made, Scott, because if you notice through the entire series, and something that I was going to bring up, was they were very attuned to the color schemes of who they were presenting, even through the beginning credits, and then as they filmed the series, so when you would see Luke Cage, it would be, which, I don't know if this is inherently racist, but it was like yellow, because it's Luke Cage's color, and then hip-hop music. And then you'd see Jessica Jones would be like muted purples. And then you'd see, you know, Daredevil would always be shot in red when he's at the bar. He's sitting there under red lights. So I really feel like they they used that color tone, that color palette as they directed it. It was definitely something that was there the entire time. And I think we just crushed IGN with that, uh, that color scheme. Just goodbye, IGN. I am so glad you picked up on that because... That was slamming just from the intro credits themselves. That was something that was extremely obvious from the very start. And if you didn't see that, yes, you are colorblind. And apparently that's who these people are because from the very start, they were absolutely color was... Definitive color. Color's colors an absolute storyteller. And they used it. And they used it very strong and they used it very well in this series. I will give them credit for that. From the intro credits, they used coloring very well to... Danny was green, right? Danny was green. I'm pretty sure every time you saw Danny, it was green. And then every time that you saw Luke, it was yellow. Every time you saw uh, Daredevil Red, we knew Jessica Jones was like purple or blue. But they absolutely, they did that well, where they used colors, especially even in the credits, to uh, uh, give each of their characters their own identity. It's even interesting that they're like kind of defining what parts of the city that these guys run, you know? They're, they defend their own city, their own segments of the city, and this is like a fabricated New York, you know, because I've been to New York, and it's not Hell's Kitchen is not as big as. And yes, uh, Jessica Jones was blue, um, blue and, and yes, you were right about the other ones: Daredevil red, of course, Luke Cage yellow, and Iron Fist in green. So I think they overlap a little bit, but they're really talking about like you know what parts of the city do I operate in? Clearly, Luke does Harlem, you know, Daredevil Hell's Kitchen, Jessica's somewhere in like Midtown. So I, I think there's a point to be had there, and uh, let's move on to destroying MGN's next point. Yeah, sure. The, the next point is actually, I kind of mentioned in the first part, is how did Daredevil survive? Like we kind of said, the ending of 
um, you know, the defenders had uh, Daredevil and everyone else making a heroic sacrifice and, you know, valiant fight, um, beating the hand, and Daredevil stays behind, um, and a building subsequently collapses onto him. So I, I don't know about you, but a giant building collapsing on one human being, I don't give a fuck how many kung fu moves he knows, that's probably going to crush his fucking head. So, I mean, I don't know if this is just a case of plot armor or, or what it is. I mean, how did he survive? They've really got to work on that and build upon either Daredevil Season 3 or Defender Season 2 and really make that connection or logical leap to where he actually did somehow make it out alive. Can I just play, like, the devil's advocate on this one? He wasn't in the building itself. They were in the subterranean area, well deep down in that hole that took them an hour to get down to inside the uh, skeletal remains of a dragon. Yeah. Uh, you know what? They absolutely can use that and say that's how he survived. It's, yeah, the building collapsed, but the building was also a mile up, and they were a mile down inside a fossil. Yeah, I can kind of play that concept there. And like, oh yeah, he absolutely survived, which also allows them to keep Electro alive as well, who is the strongest Electro they've had since they started trying to do these characters. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, you know, they never clearly defined what the Black Ooze was and how the Black Ooze, like, kept everybody alive. They never really defined, you know, they said, well, we need more of it to keep ourselves going. But clearly, Elektra, you know, was able to survive pretty massive damage, as well as, uh, oh my gosh, the character in uh, Iron Fist, the father figure. Stick? Stick. No, not Stick, but the the corporate guy who died and came back and had been killed by his son. Oh, Harold. Harold, Harold Meacham. Harold Meacham. So Harold Meacham's character is, you know, obviously killed at least a couple times. He, he's died and come back and been resurrected, apparently because of this black ooze, which I would assume is dragon's blood. Again, they're leaving us with too many unanswered questions so that we have to lead to our own cl conclusion. So we're assuming it's dragon's blood. We don't know. Maybe it's fossilized dragon's blood. Who knows? It's from, Maybe it's, it's dragon marrow. It's back. from inside the bone. It's dragon marrow. So you That's just suck some dragon bone and you get S suck, a, suck a dragon's bone and you will live forever and ever and ever. So, uh, so maybe Electra sucks on Matt's bone. I, that's why I will never die because I know a guy named Dragon. So, and you... <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll leave. Yeah. So anyway, there, there's, there's dragon blood. So, I mean, there, I, I get it. There's a possibility. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it makes sense. There's some exposition that we're going to have to just assume. But again, they're leaving us with too much open... There, there's too much openness. And I, I, I think their unwillingness or they're, they're trying to withhold all these secrets from us to in order to make it more mysterious or drive the plot along is not serving Marvel well. They need to... They, don't, they shouldn't really be hiding stuff, at least in my opinion. I, I don't think it helps. Yeah, I mean, I, I still kind of go back to the whole plot armor point, and obviously Daredevil is the, you know, the kind of the linchpin to the Netflix series. He was the first one and obviously the most popular. And kind of bringing him along, you're not going to kill him off. So, I mean, there's no suspense there. There's really no fear of you know, you're not going to kill off... You're not killing off Iron Man before Avengers Infinity Wars. You're, you're yeah. not killing off these major characters that are, you know... The defining cogs that are, you know, kind of greasing the wheels and, and moving everything forward. So, I don't know. That kind of took away from the suspense of the whole finale and, and really kind of destroyed that level of logic for me. But um, 
Anyway, we, we can move on to the next point, um, which is Alexandra uh, Sigourney Weaver, um, or how, how I like to call her, Butch Susan Sarandon, less less acting chops, because Susan Sarandon's voice is just so serene, and uh, I don't know, I just get hard thinking about her. Hey, um, we did talk we did talk about Rocky Horror Picture Show, so is she can we, oh, wow. I haven't seen that. You're, Susan Sarandon is just one of the... She's damn sexy in that show. I can't even like. I, what do you think, Scott? Did you? Did you? What? When she's. she's if we continue man. into this conversation, I'll have to excuse myself and go into the other room. So yes, I do believe as. Much. You got me. Yeah. I can't recommend. You know, I, I I know we're talking to you know. There's a, there's a little bit of a generational gap here, but I can't help but say that uh, sometimes catching these older movies, and I know there was just a remake on on Fox or something like with uh, Laverne man I, I'm, I'm really going to butcher this but I, I know it was like the first transgender woman she did a great job uh, I thought she did a good job as uh, Dr. Frankenfurter but when you go, it, it just doesn't touch the original Wait, the you original you actually watch that? yeah shut up alright so we'll move on from that alright we'll move on. all I gotta say Susan Sarandon Although I will say Victoria Justice <laughs> is that who who is the girl? <sighs> okay, Susan Sarandon. She was phenomenal, and uh, it's worth going back because it's a classic. There's a reason these things are called classics. You shouldn't ignore them. They're part of the fabric of pop culture. They get remade for a reason. They're fantastic. Go back and watch that movie. Watch Rocky Horror uh, Picture Show. Don't miss it. What point were we on? So, yes, yeah, so we'll go back to this. And the first most important question this we're talking about, why didn't Alexandra have a bigger role? Sigourney Weaver. The first most important question... And again, question can we just say, Sigourney Weaver, i got to make a point here. I, I want to reiterate, Sigourney Weaver, like one of the first female action stars that really killed it, she's awesome. And uh, I can't... I, I liked her as this character. There was a little weirdness to it. She was a little stiff. Uh, I like Hogarth a little bit better, but... Again, go ahead. So important. What was my question? Scorn Weaver today, Z, yes or no? Two bottles of scotch, and I'd say all all day in the ass. But you know, that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> but we know that you are desperate, so that. So makes since sense. she's going to be uh, well, okay, that that would be Sigourney pegging him. So what about you, Scott? I would let her peg me. Oh wow, that's, that's intense. She's a strong woman. Exactly, and I would enjoy every second of that. She would definitely pass the whatever female test that you mentioned that I can't remember. The Bechdel right test. There we go. Yes. Um, Absolutely. She has many conversations that she talks about where, obviously, I, I feel like they went out of the way. And you guys didn't even mention uh, Misty Knight, who is a fantastic character, because I'm sure none of you watched Luke Cage. But anyway, Misty Knight, and spoiler, she loses her arm, which makes her closer to the comic book character. Supposedly Tony Stark, we don't know who, will replace her arm, where she has a cybernetic arm, which is just made for rocket launch. <laughs> will rip your jeans I mean, off your she has a, a, a prosthetic arm that allows her to like punch through walls, maybe shoot some laser beams, I don't know. But uh, I definitely, I, I like the character, Misty, you know, she's the skeptical cop. And now she's been brought into this world of, uh, you know, she, I, you know, she's just like, what in the world? And she steps up and tries to defend Colleen Wing and gets her arm just sliced off with a with a samurai sword. And she's got to be like, 
well, damn, I don't think I was ready for this day. Yeah, no, I, I think I kind of have to pull everybody back here and rein this sexually undertone train back in here. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're focusing on Alexander Sigourney Weaver's character here, and I think the big overarching problem is Marvel as, as, a, as an entity. Um, they have a villain problem, and Alexander does not help fix that. She is definitely the villain of the show that's, you know, majorly defined early on. Um, and I liked her as a villain, though. I, I, I think... It's, I hear this 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 Marvel villain problem, and I know everybody loves Loki, and everybody loves the Purple Man, David Tennant, and they're fantastic. But you, you I feel like they could have done a little bit more with Sigourney Weaver. But what she could do in words, where those other uh, villains had to do with actions, she was just dominant and absolutely commanded the screen every time she was on it. I feel like she was a little reserved, and I think they didn't give her enough to do. But I'm gonna side on the on the side of you know I still think Sigourney Weaver did a good job with what she was given, which does blame Marvel. I'm there with you. You're also talking about rough storylines, and they absolutely dealt with that in this as well as many of these shows do. You're talking about Alexandra, who is one of the five members of the Hand, which these are five immortal members that are supposedly have run this conglomerate since the beginning of this whole. Thing has begun. So now you're trying to get five leaders and give them all a little bit of a storyline when now you're trying to... You can do this over five movies, not in just one quick series. I mean, they do the Japanese Moon Bear guy. He gets like his whole two minutes of anything. There's literally no character arc. I, I agree with that. There, there, there's not much of a character arc. Bakudo has his character arc defined in Iron Fist. So, I think they missed an opportunity, maybe when they kill off the guy who was in the first season of Daredevil, that guy had a kind of a cool thing going on where he was like the ninja opposite of Daredevil, and he kicked his ass, and they had to burn him alive. And Madame Gao, I think Madame Gao is a fantastic character. I love the scene. I, it's one of, I think it's one of the best scenes of TV um, when, you, when you talk about uh, you have the kingpin, uh, Vincent. Oh my God, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio. Unbelievable as the kingpin. Absolutely, this blows me away. And so a lot many of levels. people hated him too, and I agree with you. That so he many was levels. A fantastic kingpin. Oh my God, and the guy he gave that guy so many levels. Instead of just being like a mono note villain, he really gave him multiple multiple levels. I just thought he was fantastic. Uh, so brutal. And, and he has a fantastic scene with Madame Gao where uh, she talks about him speaking Japanese to her. And she, or I, I'm, I'm assuming it's Japanese and not Chinese. I, I'm sorry if I get it wrong. But they have this conversation where he learned her native tongue. And then he finds out that she's known English the entire time. And it's just this really subtle scene between two seasoned actors who just knock it out of the park. And that's what I'm missing in The Defenders, I think is you get, like, these amazing scenes between, you know, you have Madame Gao and Vincent D'Onofrio, the kingpin, knocking this out of the park. They have this fantastic conversation. And then in The Defenders, it kind of feels like a bunch of disparate stories put together until they finally get together. And then even when they get together, I really think, I think Mike Coulter is a great actor, but he struggled a little bit to handle himself in some of the scenes. Although I really did enjoy the scenes between 
it's interesting. Stick is such a seasoned actor, and he kind of like drops everything in front of them, and then these newer actors really struggle to interact with Stick. And then I really enjoyed the Iron Fist and Luke Cage interactions, but you could see the like we're kind of novice actors versus you know Stick coming in and being like I'm fully into this character. I'm blind. I don't have a hand. I'm a character actor. I've been around for a billion years. And then you see these novice actors that just can't keep up with him. You're also dealing with, and this is an argument for another day, but the trouble with the general American public, not just America, but mostly we're the worst at this, is our attention spans are all of 0.2 seconds long. So everyone's excited about these four characters coming together, but you need to do it all in a matter of two hours. So if you don't get it in, get it out right away. No one's going to pay attention long enough, and you don't have something that's going to make money. And you got to move on to the next thing that's going to make money. So now you have four major characters, three or four sub-heroes, five major villains with four or five sub-villains. So you're talking about well over a dozen characters that you're trying to jam into this series that's only what was it, eight 12, hours. 12 episodes long. Yeah, it's eight. That. eight episodes. That's, that's four hours. That's to jam that many characters into four hours is absolutely impossible. Movies, three-hour-long movies, can't handle that. Let alone uh, a, a series that just is a couple episodes long. So yeah, there is a lot of characters that are going to be lost, lost in the hates when it comes down to it. And I think that's exactly what Alexander's character dealt with. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I find myself uh, thinking kind of like what Tom said. He's like. You know, why did it take two episodes for them all to get together and a little bit of the imp impatience of what we see? You know, it's a new art form, and I really commend Marvel for, like, taking these four disparate series and then being like, we have the guts and the balls to put these people together and try to make a sensible story out of it. Again, I enjoyed the series overall. I think we're really kind of hitting them and criticizing them, and I get the what-the-fucks. But I, I think at the end of the day, it's still it, they did a good a good job, not a great job. They did a good job of handling the source material, and, and let's see what the next what the fuck is. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I, I think that uh, overall, that you know, they, they did do a good job, and it's Netflix, and you know, there's certain limitations there, and they're obviously going to work on it in season two and come back with some better stuff. And obviously, I already have that stuff established. But now, before we move on to the next one. Um, the other question that I have for both of you is when, and we're deep in the spoilers, thank God, but when she was killed off, what the fuck, holy shit, or, oh my God, this is awesome, this is what needed to happen. She was essentially useless, so who gave a fuck at that point? I thought it was a great moment, uh, especially because you're talking about the dynamic between, uh, essentially, she was trying to create this daughter this mother-daughter interaction, and it's interesting because it mirrors in the stick, where stick is a father figure to Matt. And, and, and I thought it was a, uh, a very poignant moment. The only thing that I thought was a little what the fuck was, A, uh, size. Don't do that. Size are uh, weapons that are used for disarming. They're used for stabbing. They're not used for chopping people's heads off. That was the second part of my question. With Electra taking them as her chosen weapon, was that a straight-out cop-out? Like, cop out. All right, that was absolutely a cop-out. That was her weapon of choice. She used that for She should have started years, with them. And instead they used that where she stares at them longingly, like she wants to sit on them one in each that other. That was just bullshit from but, the comics, man. Yeah, that was a complete cop-out. Like, they screwed that 
that yeah, one Raphael of the art from Ninja Turtles horribly. Raphael from Ninja Turtles can use size to the to the day whatever size of a very specific uh, advantage as a weapon, something that you use. It's used for defending against swords. I, I like the fact that she used swords, but I still think it's kind of bullshit that she, they came back and like it, it was really just a play to the comics. And the fact that she cut her head off with a, a couple size was just seemed like. Uh, Nonsense. I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. But uh, moving on to the next, what the fuck? Um, we kind of touched up upon this in our, in our previous comments. We don't really spend that much time on it. But what happened to Madame Gao? I, I mean, last we saw her um, in the final episode, she was you know underneath in that dragon. She escaped. Yeah, that dragon Let's kill it uh, again. IGN wasting our time. I, you, you know, like come on, uh, Madame Gao's too clever. She escapes whenever she wants. She has some sort of telekinesis. We don't know the extent of her powers. Madagala survived. She's an awesome character. I don't care. What do you think, Scott? Definitely one of the smartest villains that they have to deal with. To keep her around because when it comes down to it, you're talking about what they're dealing with between you know this series and then you have the other side of it, which is either Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is another TV series, or even the Avengers movies. You're talking about these huge, strong, powerful super characters. Madame Gal, even though she doesn't show it, is absolutely the closest thing they have to a super villain. Not just because of the unknown powers that she has, but she is the smartest of all of them. And she proved, clear, clearly proven that multiple times throughout the series. Oh, she clearly manipulated the hand multiple times. She manipulated Bakudo. She manipulated Alexandra. I definitely agree with you. I think she's a phenomenal actress. I'd love to see her stick around. I don't have any desire to see her die off. Uh, yeah, no, literally. She is old as fuck. She is, so let's take advantage of her as long as she fucking lives. So, you heard it here first, folks. Z says, let's take advantage of older ladies as long as we can. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess that's another side note, too. Like, they're all, the heads of the hand are, are immortal. Why is she the oldest fucking one? Why didn't she choose to be immortal when she was a little younger and more ripe for the pickings? But anyway... Um, you know, I, I think she has a little bit of plot armor. Uh, it would be a little racist to kill the one main character that's Chinese, uh, villain-wise, at least off-screen. So she's definitely going to show up another another time down the road. Uh, she's too important. She can't just kind of die in the rubble and, and never be mentioned again. Um, but I, I want to move on to the, the one major, at least continuity error, that I think Marvel kind of has on their hands in terms of the Netflix series is how did, how did they resurrect the Kudo? Um, who was the one of the main villains in the Iron Fist season one, who shows up as a recurring villain in the Defenders. Um, so what we know, so this is what we know. Elektra was resurrected, who died at the end of Daredevil season two, happened before Iron Fist. So she was resurrected using the last of whatever black goop shit Sigourney Weaver cracked out of the alien's asshole, um, you know, to kind of bring her back to life. So that was the last of it. Just yeah. so we're all clear, it's, 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 it's dragon shit. It's my dragon's bone. Exactly. Whatever dragon dicks you guys want to dream up of. So, they use the last of it. Don't bust on dragon to, like that. He's a good man. <laughs> dragon's a good guy. So, they use the last of it to revive Electra. So yeah, then, Iron Fist happens. Bakudo dies. And then he shows up in Defenders resurrected. How the fuck does he get resurrected? Because they're, all this happens in New York. So, if there's no more fucking reviving Dragon Jizz, where the fuck are they resurrecting this motherfucker from? You assume, first of all, that he actually died. So, let's just look at the parallels. Colleen Wing gets sliced by Bakudo 
Right? She, she's, they're in some sort of, like, sword duel, and Bakudo slices her, and she gets chopped, you know, right across the midsection. She survives. Is that not exactly what happened to Bakudo when they had their duel? Same exact thing. You know what? He didn't, they didn't run him through with a sword. She, like, sliced him, and he's like, oh, I'm dying, and then someone took him away. Like, it, I, don't, I, I don't even see why that's a point. He didn't die. They didn't lop his head off. That's how they killed Sigourney. The other argument here is that Bakudo, I mean, I'll give them props for this. At first, I was like, what the fuck? Bakudo's a, a member of the hand. What a, a cheap way to bring a character back. And the more I think about it, the more it's like, oh my god, no one saw this one coming. That Bakudo's a member of the hand. He's immortal. He's back now. When the, the, the villain from, uh, was it Daredevil, the, the old man, we mentioned him earlier, keep coming back to life. Stick. Not Stick. The other one. <laughs> the, the, the villain. The, the, the father that... Um, came back to life as well, that they finally burnt at the end of... Oh, you mean the... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You mean the Japanese... At the end of in Iron Fist, the villain in Iron Fist, the father. Oh, you're talking about the father? Okay. Yes. Uh, Harold, Harold Meacham. Harold Meacham. Harold Meacham. He had the same thing, where he had the dragon jizz in his blood, but... Oh, he got stabbed. He like, got stabbed, killed. I don't know how many times did this kid stab? It was like you didn't times? you didn't you didn't have to douse him in tar to bring him back to life. And the same thing with Bakudo. You didn't have to douse him in tar to bring him back in life. Yes, you saw him get killed, quote unquote. But no, they didn't have to throw him in dragon's tar to bring him back to life. So yeah, absolutely, I can see that. Do I think they actually had that in the plan from the very start? I don't think so. I think that was an afterthought. Was like. Oh my God! Bakudo could be the fifth member of the hand. I don't think so, but I think. Um, it, but yeah, for them to for them to bring him back, how did he resurrect? I think he resurrected on his own, just using whatever power they had going on. They didn't have to do the full out resurrection ceremony that they did with Electra. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that if there were things to nitpick about the series, I think IGN might be a little off base. You know, the things to nitpick were the pacing. And, uh, you know, the continuity and, and the non-explanation of things, you know, not explaining to us, like, they like, they show us these dragon bones, but clearly Iron Fist doesn't know what the heck is going on, and the whole thing about capturing him and opening up the dome or whatever nonsense that was going on there, it just seemed like a lot of, like, let's push the plot forward just because we can. I thought there were some really fantastic interactions. I really liked the Luke Cage slash uh, the Power Man Iron Fist kind of like those guys could be friendly in the future I'd love to see a series with the two of them I think it would be hilarious I think the focus on Harlem is a little like I don't know I don't want to paint it as like racist but it just seems like the guy can expand beyond just defending black Harlem you know there's a Spanish Harlem there's a lot going on in that area I don't think they need to just kind of focus on that I think Luke Cage I liked Luke Cage as a hero. I think he's a, a, a pretty cool dude. He was the only one who had his head on straight the entire time. Daredevil's, like, focus on his girlfriend. We didn't even talk that much about Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones doesn't even give a fuck. And then, you know, you have Iron Fist, who's so focused on destroying the hand because he's so passionate about revenge that he's clouded in all of his judgment. He can't make a clear decision at all. You know, you find Luke Cage is, is the one person who actually has some sort of clear set of morals and a clear set of what's going on in the entire series. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. There, there's definitely some points to that. Um, but 
overarchingly, that's probably racist since you mentioned Harlem too many times. But anyway, um, you know, another big, big what the fuck is the overall Marvel continuity is is the Avengers, like I mentioned earlier. So, you know, the Netflix series are more small scale, um, you know, shits, yeah, a couple of city blocks, you know, it's not that important. But now there's, you know, overarching, you know, we wanted to destroy New York. Wouldn't the Avengers kind of know what the fuck's going on or at least kind of pay attention? So all they saw, all they saw was there was an earthquake in New York and then one building gets demolished. And, and we talked about this but prior to the show. Did the Avengers really care about one building that the cops went back and said was pre-scheduled for demolition? If I remember correctly, and I don't know that we can fact check this, but still, I believe that it was one building that was scheduled for demolition. Why in the world would they care that one... You know what I mean? I, I get it. I think it's street level. I don't think the Avengers need to be involved. What, and Tony Stark, as you saw in Spider-Man, he's moving out of New York. He's in upstate wherever, Connecticut. I don't know where he's at, where he's at, but it's definitely not in New York City, and he definitely doesn't care that much about New York City. So why would it matter that one building got demolished and why there was a little bit of an earthquake? Like, why would he care about that? Somebody, please tell me why Iron Man would care about any of that. Second off, even like the worst of the, the Avengers, the weakest one. Uh, Hawkeye? Hawkeye, yeah, the guy with the arrow. Even he would be a, a problem for the hand, you know. Oh, dude, Hulk, I don't know. He would, he, would, would... he would plow through him faster than anyone else. I mean, even one of the Avengers would take the the, the villains that the defense have to deal with and be like, "Really, you're wasting my time." Oh, with you this? Gonna, <laughs> you're gonna kung fu me, and I'm gonna shoot some arrows at you, bitch. Like I, I don't see. And, it's just not a matchup. Like, and he absolutely it's he, below that. Hawkeye's one of those characters. He would have seen what the hand was doing. Hours before the hand even did it, there's there's no way it's it's below the Avengers pay grade when it comes down to it. There's no reason for them to deal with this crap. And yes, I think they even know at this point. There's no way that that anyone from Captain America to, to Iron Man to, to anyone isn't aware that yeah, there is these sub level uh, uh, special people. Let them take care of the little crap so we can worry about like uh, uh, meteor heading for Earth. Well, I think there's a good point me there because when you talk about that and you see Spider-Man and people are like all up in arms about the continuity of Spider-Man amongst the movies which I think is total nonsense because they're looking way too hard at some of this. Spider-Man alone like Iron Man is like yeah uh, kid I don't really care about this like street level stuff and even when Spider-Man interjects himself in the street level stuff it's like kid you didn't really need to do that you're risking your life for what reason the police are there they can take care of that stuff and ultimately, Spider-Man, what's he doing? He's keeping a guy from stealing stuff. Like, all he's trying to do is steal some stuff. Like, it's not the, it's not the world ending. It's not something that's going to blow up New York. It's literally a guy, trying to keep a guy from stealing some stuff that might cause problems down the road for people. Like, oh, some advanced technology is going to get in some people's hands or they're going to be able to rob banks better. Who cares? And, but there's a place for Spider-Man. There's a place for Daredevil. There's a place for Jessica Jones. I just don't think the Avengers care about non-world-ending events. They just don't. Tony Stark, I just don't think he cares. I, I, I guess the major problem I have is at least fucking acknowledge it. The most they get from Netflix is the incident in New York or some other vague shit that, you know, you, you have no actual suspense of disbelief that 
shit's going to happen or, or there's any continuity connection between the Netflix and the actual Marvel MCU, there, there's just really nothing there definitively that's going to give you that suspension of belief that shit may happen and connect in the future. So, I mean, that's just at least my point that to where I feel like they could do a little better. The other kicker is, is that damned if you do, damned if you don't. You, you, you give a little nod to the Avengers and everyone goes nuts. You bring an Avenger into this and everyone's going to be like, really? You bought an Avenger into this? Why the hell did you to do that? You, you didn't have to do that. They have their own thing. Or, you don't mention it at all, and people get pissed off like, well, what the hell, where are the Avengers? It really is damned if you do, damned if you don't. Bring in an Avenger, that's great. Let Hulk come in and smash everything down to the ground. Everyone's going to be like, really, that was the biggest cop-out I've ever seen in my life. People will be pissed regardless of what direction you go with. So, no, the Avengers will never show up. Let the Defenders stand on their own. They'll either stand or they won't. The series will either continue or won't. But bringing in the Avengers and bringing the other one into it, the same question is Marvel's Agent of the S.H.I.E.L.D. They do the same thing. And this isn't Netflix, this is a, a, a prime TV ABC. show, ABC TV show. They do the same exact thing. You have to let these series stand on their own. Because if you bring in the big guns, everyone's either going to be, what the fuck, or it's just going to take away too much from what you're trying to do. You don't mention it at all, people get pissed off the same way, like, oh my god, you can't mention about it, you can't pay homage to what this whole thing is about. You really are. You're damned if you do, damn you don't. Let each series stand on its own. If it lives, it lives. If it dies, it dies. But that's the true test of what's going to last and what's not going to last. No, that's capitalism. I, I get that. I, I do think... Um, I will say one of the exciting moments, one of the most exciting moments between the Marvel Universe and between TV with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I can't tell you the excitement that I had when uh, they tied Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. into what happened to Captain America. I thought it was phenomenal. I was really excited about it. The fact that they, they, they turned everything on its head. They, they excommunicated S.H.I.E.L.D. I really enjoyed that. I hope Marvel does it again. I'm a little afraid with Marvel getting pulled off of Netflix. I, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what and Disney pulling themselves off of Netflix. I don't know what that holds. I hope they continue to produce really good shows. I love Daredevil. I love Jessica Jones. I love Luke Cage. I love Iron Fist. I really do enjoy. I treat them as they are, as they're on their own. I think Iron Fist really did a good job, despite all the not like. I really think that the the tomato meter on that, the Rotten Tomatoes meter, was just people being nonsensical about whitewashing. I think the fact that they didn't celebrate Colleen Wing... Rotten Tomatoes. Tomato meter, 76%. Audience score 70 on Rotten Tomatoes. RottenTomatoes.com. On what? On what? On Defenders. Not Defenders. If you look oh, up... sorry. If you look up Iron Fist, it's probably like a 27%. And I really think that they looked past the opportunity to celebrate the actress who played Colleen Wing, an Asian-American who brought an absolutely stellar performance to a role that was an underlaid role. She had some fantastic scenes with Rosario Dawson. I, I just really don't think they get, you know, it's this weird leftist thing that they're just accusing people of stuff that's nonsense. That was the same argument earlier, where, like, they whitewashed it. No, but that's what I'm trying to say. In is New York. No, it's not whitewashing. The, the characters that were supposed to not be white, Weren't white. Yeah, but they did. They went out of their way to bring in Colleen Wing as a major character. She was a major character in Defenders. Half the decisions in the Defenders were based upon what she said. She was like a fierce warrior. 
And I just don't feel like they're, instead of looking at the positives and taking that and really kind of expounding on that, they look at the negatives and say, oh, the white man was a, was, you know, iron fist. And instead of being like, wow, the girl who played Colleen Wing, who was just as important and in just as many scenes as him, they just ignore that. And I think that was important. Like, she's a non, like, super powered hero. And she's going after the hand, and there was no stopping her. She was going to annihilate them. They stole her students from her, and to boot it all, she was very attractive young lady. It may not have been the fans that were slamming Iron Fist for what it was. Just finally came up on Rotten Tomatoes. Tomato meter, 18%. Now, See, that's not That's from Rotten Tomatoes. Now, the yeah, audience score... It. The audience score is 77%. So are you part of the... You, so you're the one... Oh, so I'm, on Tommy the, B, I'm on the tomato meter. I thought, yeah, but Tommy B I and I liked it. So, okay, Tommy B, you liked it, right? Do you agree with me? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. It's, Colleen Wing was a great supporting character. She definitely had some value there. Um, and especially in the Iron Fist series, they did value her character and, and, and predominantly featured her. Um, so it's not like they were just whitewashing the whole series. And I, I know Danny Rand may not be... You know, specifically uh, a white guy in New York, but in, in the comic book. But hey, you know, who, who gives a fuck? Really, they're they're going to change it. It's modern day. You know, it's not going to be a direct adaptation. I really do hope they do more with the Iron Fist character. I love the Iron Fist character. I want to see him in costume. I don't know why they don't put him in costume. That, that pissed me that. off more than anything else. But I can understand that they don't want him in costume yet. But, but I know him from the comics and from the cartoon and stuff like that. What pissed me off more than anything else about the first series with Iron Fist. For an entire series, he had these internal conflicts that they didn't explain anything about. He can't find his chi. Why can't he find his chi? He'll just sit in the corner for a little bit. Well, what is his big problem? Why can't he find his chi? What are his like? Like, what are these guys' demons that's stopping him from just kicking ass and going nuts? All of a sudden, he's fist can't glow. Well, why not? They didn't. They never explained to any of that. Yes, the supporting characters were great and everything else, but they screwed up the Iron Fist character itself. And when you name a series after a character, you better make sure you make sure that character is explained and supported and has a storyline and doesn't just get lost in episodes of just staring at the wall wondering why my fist won't glow. I think they were going for a mystery. They were trying to do something a little bit different than just an origin story. But I get what you're saying. So let's close out the Defenders. I, I, I don't think there's much more we can beat on here. I, I think we handled it pretty good. Noob Noob, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess we really kind of focus on this episode of the podcast, really the what-the-fuck questions kind of divulged upon that and kind of, you know, gave a broader scope to, to the overall series. But I, I would just say the one hammering point is, what the fuck is Jessica Jones's, you know, role in the show? <laughs> she really wanted to go She there. essentially is just an alcoholic that serves no fucking purpose other than the initial point of bringing them together and investigating for whatever fucking reason. But she's essentially just an alcoholic bitch who just doesn't really have much of a power and is essentially fucking useless after the first two episodes. And what even is her strength? She has no strength or other things, so she's a little strong. So she's basically a guy with a dude's strength. And I know some of you are going to be pissed at me for making that comment, but guess what? That's what it is. It's a chick with a little extra strength. Nowhere near she's, Luke Cage or any other yeah, characters, but it doesn't explain. Far. Yet all of a sudden, at the end, she's holding up an elevator that has Dude, all the characters out of nowhere. clearly on par, so, if not higher than Luke Cage in strength. 
she can fly, basically fly. So why if you don't understand? So why has strength, Netflix not done that? They show that essentially she's two seasons showing Jessica Jones. No, she's useless. She's, she's not absolutely as useless. useless. As you and you know what? And you thought that season one of Jessica Jones was dark. Guess what? You go to the comics; it's even darker. Oh, the comics really is so is. much darker. But I love the. F- I thought her for, her series was the best of all of them. So. For what it was, I think Daredevil absolutely wanted it. Dude, her, ba- her was villain decent. was the best of all the villains. Oh, yeah, but that's because everyone loves David Tennant. David Tennant uh, can David do Tennant no wrong. Great and, and, he you know, can do no Vincent wrong. Vincent D'Onofrio. And, and he did that well, and they won't even go as deep into how screwed up this guy really was and what he actually did to her leading into that series. If you really want to know, know some know, F-dump stuff, go online and look up Jessica Jones' origin stories. It's everything from rape molestation, uh, um, force watching, all kinds of amazing F, that one, amazing is probably the wrong word for that, but all kinds of horrible, horrible just things just to you. happen to a person. I wish it was me. All these horrible things to happen beer to a person. Pulling. Man, you're going to say, oh my God, this stuff actually happened in the Waxing of the beard. Full of beard. It's amazing. And, and when you realize what actually happened, you'll look back at the series and say, okay, maybe they couldn't do that much. Yes, they can't film it, it just like they couldn't film the train on it. So what, what do you want to plug? Oh, okay, so we're going on plugs now? Okay, so uh, KeeblerMedia.com, ScottWillKillYou.com. Uh, new content coming soon. Keep on those uh, websites and you'll see what we got coming up. We've got all kinds of fun, crazy stuff. You think this is weird? Wait to see what I got in the store. <laughs> so uh, I guess again I want to do one uh, I'll do another shout out for Circus Survive uh, one of my favorite bands uh, Anthony Green based out of Doylestown and uh, the directing job I gotta look it up who the director of of the oh my god the Conviction of the Hex what was the video I sent you guys you don't remember Neither of you watch it because you I don't, don't care about it. I, dude, I, don't do, I don't pay attention to anything you send me. The, the, I can't tell you the directing on this this video, and I'm going to get it for you next episode. The directing on this video was phenomenal. That dude is so mad right it now. Was you know that. So right? disturbing. That dude is sitting there right now. It's saying, a disturbing oh, video. See, I'm going to kill so, you. Uh, I can't tell you how much I I, I I really truly love the song. Their their album, The Amulet, drops very soon. It's called Premonition of the Hex. Go watch it on YouTube. There's 42,000 views. It was released three days ago. Suck it all, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of uh, our Reviews Will Kill You. Go work you, and uh, we'll see you on another episode. Take care, everybody. Fierce.